0: side of the red line, Dallas Stars Podcast. Here is your host, Sean Shapiro. Well, the uh, Stars lost to the Winnipeg Jets 4-1 to tonight, and uh, before we talk about the hockey game, let's uh, start with the positive, um, and just the national anthem tonight, um, Trevor Strader singing the national anthem as part of Hockey Fights Cancer Night, and... Uh, that was, that, was a kind of, that was kind of a special moment
1: tonight. Yeah, it was for me personally and I think for a lot of people because I was able to uh, introduce myself to him earlier in the morning today. They came to the morning skate, which was great. Um, when he sang last year as Dave was sick and fighting with the disease, he was concerned, Trevor was, uh, and, of getting through the performance without losing it emotionally, and I can understand it certainly. So they, it sort of the stars office had said, hey, let's leave Trevor alone downstairs before he does the anthem. So I hadn't had a chance to introduce myself until now, and I just it was nice to say hello to him and chat for a few minutes in the relaxed setting of the morning skate and share some of my thoughts. I lived in Glens Falls where Dave is from and Trevor grew up, so that was pretty. uh, You know, you can share some of that. Now he lives in New York City now, but. Personally, Dave meant an awful lot to me. Um, I've known him for almost a decade, and to just sort of celebrate that a little bit with Trevor was nice. And then, for that was for me personally. Then, the anthem itself was—I mean, he's an excellent singer. I've heard a few of his other performances that Dave has shared, and like, I'm probably repeating this line for the thirtieth time. But Dave was very proud of of Trevor and all his children, but. I think that it's really cool to, to share that on Hockey fights Cancer Night.
0: Yeah, I talked to Trevor. Uh, I talked to Trevor yesterday on well, on, sun, on Sunday now. Uh, before he had, when he was at the airport getting ready to fly to Dallas for this, and it was uh, one of the things that him and I talked about then, which was uh, and him and I, I spoke this morning as well. But when I spoke to him for the story, and I was happy to be able to. It was. He talked about how uh, it was, it was fascinating. Fascinating, uh, and he's told me this. He told me this last year when he sang about how um, his he's taken so many things from his dad into his into his life. Where he it was a different. It's a different performance art. Of, uh, Absolutely. than obviously a, but still performance art. What Dave did for so long um, as a broadcaster, and uh, Trevor took a lot of that into his into his life as a uh, as a singer performer in, in New York, and he. Uh, I know it meant a lot for Trevor to come and uh, be able to sing, sing the anthem tonight. Um, it was uh, after after we talked and after we talked for the interview, I texted him to say thank you for allowing me to, to tell the story and his response was, uh, said, uh, well, hopefully the singing gods will let me get through this tomorrow. And so yeah. I know that meant a lot for him. Uh, so, that was uh, very, I uh, mean the word cool doesn't even do it justice, but just it was a very special moment. Like, Agreed, yeah. Uh, then we had a hockey game. Then <laughs> yeah, we had a
1: hockey game. Unfortunately, Trevor's performance in the National Anthem was one of the highlights tonight. I mean, it was going to be anyway, but the Stars didn't bring enough highlights in this hockey game, and so for me, the, you know, there are some bright spots about tonight's game for Dallas and some not-so-bright spots, but I think Trevor's pre-game Anthem performance... By the way, Selena with an excellent job on the Canadian anthem. She's uh, she's amazing at how consistent she belts them out in beautiful musical harmony as well. So credit to both. But unfortunately, it, it went sort of downhill
0: from there. Yeah, 26 seconds into the game. Uh, uh, Mark Scheifele scores his first goal of the game. He ended up scoring in the empty net later in the, uh, with uh, less, less than 15 seconds remaining in the third period. And... Uh, Basically, the same thing happened. happened to the Stars in Manitoba three day, uh, four days earlier, or two, day, two games ago, where they didn't show up. They kind of slept sleptwalked through the first period, and Winnipeg was up. But this time, three nothing at the end of the first period. Um, personally, I thought the uh, well, the first two goals hurt a ton. The third goal really hurt. That one yep. that's in the last minute. uh well, or the you, first minute was awful. That was that was bad,
1: but not not. The, I mean, it was bad timing. Yes. Um, Shifley's shot was really impressive because he basically threaded the needle between Mark Mathot trying to block it in front, Ben Bishop, and the left post. Yeah. I mean, talk about accuracy and uh, I can use a 10 synonyms precision, yeah. whatever. It, it was great. Um, from a defensive standpoint, I thought that Mathot gave him way too big of a gap to allow him to skate in, and it allowed. Uh, because he was worried about Blake Wheeler, and again, good, you know, kudos to Wheeler for driving the middle. First, and, of, it was the first of four assists Wheeler had too, and and sort it, of it really attracting, Matha's attention. But Zagan was back; they had three on three coverage, and so basically, Scheifele had too much room to gain the zone and
0: come in and take the shot. And, and that's also an extremely um, for Ben Bishop. That's an extremely fr- uh, difficult first shot to face. Yeah. Um, for. Uh, Come in and have basically point blank with a guy, a player of that caliber, being having the time and space to pick their spot. Well Scheife is one of their best offensive yes. players. Period. Very, very good player. Yes. So that's one nothing. Um, the Jets' power play, which has looked great this year, which has looked tremendous this year, um, and coming well, into tonight, lately, lately, late, yeah, coming I guess,
1: into last Thursday's game in Winnipeg, the Jets we had been one for fourteen.
0: And we're ranked tied for 28th in the NHL in power play. But then then, then they've they they converted on a 5 of 6 in the last two games before tonight. 6 uh, of
1: 7 Yeah. after the first one yeah. from line A, which
0: it's, you know what, uh,
1: maybe some issues there, but his shot is so good that his wrist shot looked like a, a slap shot, a one-timer ripping him. It was, it's that
0: part. And, and that line A goal is not, for me, it's not as... Uh, it's not a back, that's not as back-breaking a moment as the other two. Um, it's, it's a goal that you have to fight back from and everything like that, but it's still... Unbelievably harsh
1: for Yes,
0: but, yeah. it's, but that's a goal that, if in a vacuum, if the goal in the first minute and the last minute of the first period, we're looking at is just an unbelievable shot for line A and not a moment where things continue to be well. And one, one thing
1: you can probably work over.
0: Yes. Uh, and then... The uh, end of the end of the first period, Klingberg tries to make the stretch pass that gets intercepted, um, and it ends up in the hey, Stars net. I'm going to I'm going to
1: question that d- description. He plays it up the middle, and outside of the blue line, it hits the tape of Alexander Radulov. Now, is it an easy pass to catch? Maybe not, but it's it does hit his stick. Intercepted might be the wrong word. But so, it's,
0: it's a turnover either right, way. The Stars yeah.
1: turn the puck over. I don't know if I give that all on Klingberg. It was probably not an easy pass to handle, but it did hit. The stick of Rajilov and there was another Stars player nearby. But again, the reason why I say that is because right after that goal, several—I uh, got several comments on Twitter about how bad Klingberg was. And let's finish. Let I'll let you finish the description of after that turnover, what
0: happened. Well, because after, I don't think that was on Klingberg at that point. After the, I mean, the puck goes off Rajilov, it goes right to it. Uh, goes right to the Jets. Uh, and a two-on-two two turns into a two-on-one because Dan Hambuse just completely loses his footing and, and falls out. Um, and and then, it happened quickly. Yes, re- re- very quickly. And then the two-on-one comes in. Klingberg actually played the two-on-one fairly well.
1: Um, Again, it wasn't a, a slow developing where it's from the blue line yeah. and the defenseman has time to analyze. It was, yeah. uh, I've got my man, uh-oh, my defenseman fell yeah. down.
0: Now what? Yeah. And right. then he plays it fairly well. Um then the, but the pass still gets through, and Ben Bishop really has no chance on the, on the goal. And that's really a, uh, just after how the whole rest of the first period had gone, that was really just a moment that um, that, 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 that really hurt the stars. And you know what? They actually played well the rest of the game. But as the, uh, and there was actually, a, there was a couple moments of uh, media members today asking the Stars to pick out the silver lining about how they outplayed him in the final 40 minutes and players weren't having any of that. It's, they, they talked about it, how you, uh, and I, and I like to use the, I, they talked about how they, how you can win a game in the first period. And I don't think you can win a game in the first period, but you can lose a game in the first period. And, the uh, uh, Stars put up a pretty hefty first period against Buffalo yeah, and pretty much won that game. But so, I was, I was, I was, right. I, it takes two sides for that to happen. Um, and then you move on, move forward from there, and final 40 minutes, Jamie Ben's the best player on the ice. The second period was a nice response by Dallas. Yeah. And Hellebuck played well, too, um, to uh, to keep that game at only one goal. The, uh, there's the power play goal for Jamie Benn. Uh, the biggest save of the game with nine minutes left in the second period. Uh, the biggest save of the game with uh, nine minutes left in the second period where... Uh, where where Hellebuck uh, makes the pad save, <laughs> makes the pad save on uh, on Ben on the power play, um, and yes, I also um, I'm trying to remember who he stopped with the uh, the turnover to Radulov, the poke check too. That's that's another big moment too for Hellebuck too. Uh, I thought that was the save where he, he I don't even think he got officially got credit for that because um, was there, there was never a shot, but that's an aggressive play that takes away a golden opportunity for a goal scorer. Um, he was good. Um, Jamie Ben, as Ken Hitchcock said after the game, put the team on his back. Um uh, really good. He, he, yes, he, he was very good tonight in his 600th career NHL game, which is hard to believe. He had 11 shots on goal recorded. Yeah. Um, and... Really, with with, uh, with with Ben's game, if you just take away... He was very disappointed with the first shift. Um, right. take away that, he played a great game. Uh, yeah. I had him as... I picked three stars tonight, I had him as third star. Um, Can't argue that. He was yeah. outstanding. But still, not a... The stars just... They couldn't finish. And this is a game
1: well, that... Sean, they took Alexander Radulov off the top line later on in the game because... They were a one-line offense. Yes. And that's a problem because as much as Ken Hitchcock will say, as long as the big guns are scoring, it's not a problem. But it is a problem because Dallas would send out the Ben Sagan-Radulov line and it would create a chance or issues in in the Winnipeg zone. And then they would have to send out. It felt like at a time before they took Radulov off to try to get a second line going Mm -hmm. that they were playing the top line every other shift for a while because it was the only way they could, were going to mount some sort of comeback.
0: Yeah, and not only that, I mean, they've got to the point where they're playing with... they're, they're playing basically the 11 forwards, too. I mean, I know Jamie Alexiak technically dressed as a forward tonight, but Alexiak plays seven shifts. Limited He's, minutes. He had four in the first period, two in the second, one shift in the third period, so they're playing basically with a bottom nine that's really a bottom eight. They're juggling things around, and... Do you think of any chance tonight that was generated by a line that didn't have Jamie Ben on it?
1: Um, yeah, not really. Yeah. I mean, the, there was one chance that Esa Lindell had early in the third with a screen in front that I don't think Hellbuck saw but saved just because of his size, and... There were a couple of good shifts that maybe didn't lead to chances, but one was, I believe it was Radulov and Yanmark behind the Winnipeg net in the third, and they were trying to find a second line, and they created some great possession time, but then didn't really do anything as far as a chance. But you're right, your point is is very much appropriate that there wasn't much from the rest.
0: Correct. And the depth scoring... Ken Hitchcock has said, and you touched on it just a moment ago, where Ken Hitchcock has said, when his big guns are scoring, it's not a worry for you. But, they scored tonight. But, it's a worry. It's something that I I have to disagree with Ken Hitchcock on, because it's something that is a worry. You have to, you are not going to succeed in this division, which is extremely tight and extremely close. Yep. You're not going to succeed if you have more than, if you have three quarters of of your forwards, essentially neutered offensively. (laughs) It's an interesting way to put it, but you're
1: right. Um, For me, because of players not creating chances and scoring, certain players, it's hard to see where the the second line really is. I mean, uh, in the game against Buffalo, Yanmark, Dickinson, and Shore were pretty good, I thought, and created some issues, but at the start of the year, we thought we were going to see Spezza along with Richie and Hansel as your second line and really doing something. Now I'll give Hansel a pass because to the to the point that, that you mentioned uh, Sean I don't think that we've seen a game this season with Martin Hansel at full speed. Now he said he felt good and he was healthy and he wasn't injured tonight but he wasn't up to speed and I don't know it's because of the injury he suffered in preseason I really am not sure if he's had a game where he's really been... You now, he's never going to be the blazing speed guy anymore, if he ever was. He's a big guy, but you know, maybe in his youth a little faster, he's admitted that. But I don't think that we've seen anything
0: close to what his, he could be his best game. Now, he's made some contributions, but... Well, Ken Hitch, Hitchcock tonight even said that he admitted... he this is not something he admitted in the morning, but I kind of speculated that, but then he admitted where... We needed a body. that did us a favor. He sort of did speak. us a favor. We needed a body. and um, Which lends
1: the question, if the AHL club, the Texas Stars, were not in the middle of a long road trip in California and having played games the last two nights, would there have been at least one call-up? Was the schedule unfavorable for Dallas in that regard rather than, than play Hansel and maybe give him... A few more days with practice to return on Friday against the Islanders.
0: I actually maintain it a different way. The injury is not... I, I, I wonder... I wonder if... And maybe, and tell, let me ask your opinion on this. Okay. Say they have $1.5 million in cap space, okay. as opposed to 678 or whatever it is. It's roughly around... It's right around 678 uh, right under... It's right around 700 They are tight against the cap right now. If the, Say the Stars had $1.5 million in cap space... There's someone called up because some, because this decision was made before the Texas Stars played last night. They yeah. they, they had obviously tested Hansel out um, at practice yesterday. If he was gonna, not going to be able to play, they would not have let a player play in that AHL game last night. Right. If they had more cap space, would a player have been called up? Just in your opinion or thoughts. But even so,
1: you're bringing a player back from playing on Saturday... California. They were in, what, Stockton on Saturday night? Mm -hmm. And then flying from California back to Dallas, which is no easy flight, a couple of hours in time zone change, and then hoping to have energy to play tonight could be, yes. But, again, if they were in Cedar Park, I think that that's an easier decision. But you're right, cap space being tight does maybe limit that a little bit because
0: of the lack of, of flexibility they have at the moment. If you have another way to look at it, and now just another thought I wanted to throw your way as we, as we move forward. Now, the Stars have uh, four days, uh, next game's on Friday. Three non-game days. Three non-game days. They have a day off tomorrow. If, But again, Sean, game. playing Hansel and Alexiak tonight
1: is not, to me, the reason why the no, Dallas lost No, No, game. it's not
0: the reason they lost. It's not because the reason they lost. They, they're, they're on your
1: fourth line to start the game. The other guys that occupy lines two and three
0: have got to come up with more. Oh, completely. I mean, Jason Spezza... Um, Jason Spezza has zero goals. Devin Shore has zero goals. Devin Shore has actually played well in other elements of his games.
1: But... It's amazing that his plus-minus minuses is, is so bad because I feel like he plays a relatively sound defensive two-way hockey game. He drove the net again tonight, created some opportunities, and it's just not going in for him. Although he's been
0: really good on the top power play. Yeah, um... Have no, nothing from Spezza. You have nothing from Antoine. still has one goal now. Richie's um, hurt and only has one. Richie's hurt. Um, you have missed the energy of Pitlick and, and Fox tonight. You did that. Sure. You missed that. You, you definitely missed that this evening. And yes, so Hansel and Alexiev are not the reason they lost. I'm not putting the blame on them in sure. any way whatsoever. It's that's that's your fourth line. That's your fourth line, and they played. Fourth line minutes and your second and third line didn't show up. That's that's a, we can we can agree upon that point. Just I want I, I wanna look forward. Just you go to Friday if you don't have anyone ready. Very much possible. Which is very possible. If up Pitlick, and Richie are all unavailable. Richie could come off IR for Friday if yes, he's healthy. But if all if all three of them are unavailable, do you roll with this forward grouping again, or do you have to call a guy up? I'd have a hard time believing that they'll go with
1: the same eleven forwards and seventy or twelve if you count Alexiak, because he didn't play forward. He didn't play a, one, a single shift so, on de- defense. So, um, to me, yeah, I, I think that there would be a difference. I think somebody gets called up. And, and by the way, another solid performance from Jamel Smith. No, he was good again. He again, he has yeah. um, been four games now since he was brought back into the lineup from being a healthy scratcher for nine straight after playing opening night. And he was very good, and he was agitating and chirping in guys' ears all night long and the kind of thing you wanted to see a few of the other Stars players do, and maybe not enough of. But I really, really, uh, once again, liked what I saw from Jamel Smith. He
0: had energy, speed, he crashed the boards. I was pleased with him tonight. One thing that Jamel Smith does that uh, I was I was before the phone before the game tonight uh, I talked to I was talking to a scout in California who uh, watched the uh, who watched the uh, Texas Stars game the other night and I was talking to him about the Stars and we were uh, catching up on uh, scout for an Eastern Conference team and he he brought up Jamel Smith and asked me how Jamel Smith's looked lately I told him what I thought and he said. And this, this was a scout who was not, was not high in Jamel Smith before this season. Right. Um, he said one thing that amazes me is how much Jamel Smith goes out, comes out with the puck, which is something that this Win, you're uh, talking about winning battles.
1: Yes, winning battles.
0: Where he said it amazed him how much Jamel Smith would go in, go into a space, and come out with the puck. And you saw more of that tonight. He is a so much of the uh, so much of the possession stats are based on shots. Um, and, which it's that's what Corsi is. Corsi is based on shot attempts. But if there was a way you could track actual possession, like, like time of having control you know, of the puck, having, not con- just shots, having control of the puck and, and, and generating things like that, well, technically you could. You could. You could. Yeah, it could be done, but it would require some work but, and training. But, but yes, you know, but Jamel Smith does a great job of keeping the puck for his team. Um, great job by him tonight. I mean, he's he's done a really good job, especially after. Sitting for nine games and coming back and playing well. Um, you know who else I thought uh, continues to show good things? Stephen Johns. Stephen Johns was good tonight.
1: Again, I'm, I'm really encouraged by his play, especially after last season. And it's going to take a little while to wipe a lot of memories of last year away for fans. But uh, Klingberg has been incredibly good, and in, especially in comparison to last year. Um, I know some fans, like we talked about earlier in the car cast, were kind of ragging on him for that turnover, which led to his penalty, which led to Lainey's goal, mm-hmm. and then the part, his part in the third goal. But, I mean, the the difference from last year is so noticeable from those two. And, and you know what? Uh, I, I think that – I think Ham Hughes, for the most part, has been better than
0: last year as well, especially coming off that little injury spin he had early in the season. Well, I, I think Ham Hughes and Patteron have actually done a good job of uh, – of play do have done a good job of playing zero event hockey and that's not a bad thing is in where it's when they're on the ice um, they've done a good job of making sure nothing happens and, 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 and in their, in zone, in their right. zone in regards to where nothing happens negatively um, neither of them are big puck movers but they're not making mistakes they're not allowing the other team and they've done a good job of that um, one last thing before we close this out just because it was something that was posed to me and I would wanted to hear your thoughts on it. He's not the reason they lost tonight. Um, Ken Hitchcock said he was similar to the rest of the lineup. Bad start. But played well with the rest of the game. Your goaltending, just because this question was posed to me by someone else, going into Friday against the Islanders, do you consider playing Kari Lettman?
1: We had that question on our post-game show Twitter as well. Um, Yeah, I think you can. Kari had a good start his last outing, uh, albeit he didn't get tested all that much against Buffalo. Mm -hmm. But he was solid and won the game, and Ben Bishop has had two losses to Winnipeg in succession. But if you go back even further, you also had a heck of a performance in Vancouver where he basically stole the game. But yeah, I think that's, that's fine, and you have a lot of hockey still to go, but I could also see them sticking with Bishop.
0: I, I personally I think you roll back I would go back to Bishop um, just because he is your guy who's your number one and you and you want to instill that confidence in him that he knows that um, however I wouldn't have a problem with letting it starts either way um, it's just food for thought Anywho we will uh, Probably discuss may discuss that on uh, Friday after a game against the Islanders. I'll
1: tell you one thing. I'm looking for a much higher energy game from both teams because the Stars will be coming off three non-game days, a day off and a couple practice days. So uh, take away the five-game, 11-day road trip and then two games and three days at home to finish it off. Dallas should have lots of energy. The Islanders play a game at home against Edmonton tomorrow, Tuesday and then they have two days to travel to Dallas and get ready. So I would think that up-tempo would be what you expect on Friday.
0: I would agree with that. Another interesting note that just Winnipeg plays Friday in Vegas. They're flying to Vegas tonight. They have three days between the game in Vegas. Home ice advantage? If you've ever talked about a coaching staff trying to make sure they kept track of their players, this would probably be that week for the the Jets. It's not (laughs) on that game, huh? Yeah. Everyone, thanks for listening.